And uh, we've been going through the book of Acts um, purposely to um, remind you. We've been doing it for like the last eight to ten months or something. And we've been doing that to remind all of us that, that the supernatural, God's supernatural kingdom is normal. Like that's what, the way we're supposed to live. And, and we've gotten so, you know, so many generations away from that. We've just kind of gotten into, well, a lot of it, I will, I will just say, a lot of it's humanism. We get back into what are we going to do? What am I going to do about my problem? And we, we kind of forget God and sometimes in the equation. And so we've been reminding all of us about the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, what Jesus has done, and that we are, Jesus calls us his ecclesia, which is his church. But it doesn't mean a church as in a meeting place like this or a building. It means his, his authority, the ones given authority to usher his kingdom, his kingdom of heaven into the earth. We've been given his legislative authority to do that. Like that's crazy amazing. And that's every one of you who, who calls Jesus Lord. So that's why we've been going through the book of Acts is to, is to kind of stir some things up in us. And if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know, we've been showing some videos of some pretty amazing things and, um, and telling our own stories of amazing things, our amazing God. So tonight, I specifically asked um, Dennis, well, first of all, I asked if you'd come and play uh, guitar, Dennis Lafayette, which he did so beautifully tonight. That was amazing. Are you going to tell him or should I tell him about your guitar playing? All right. So, well, so Dennis, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't take lessons. He doesn't even know how he does what he does. And he doesn't know, like, like when I told him, yeah, I'll send you the song, song list. He's like, okay, whatever. Cause he doesn't look at the songs. He doesn't, he just hears and plays and he just does it. That's called a miracle, by the way. That's just, it is. I mean, it's, it's just the Holy Spirit in him. It's, and we all have different ways in which we do supernatural things and we don't even know it sometimes. Like that's supernatural. It just is. So anyway, um, Dennis, I'm not going to tell stories because I've asked him to, uh, but I've known, I've known him for a while and I, I, I don't know why I can never remember when I first met you, but, but for many years I've known Dennis. He and his wife, Kathy, they, they live up in the hills of California to the east. And... Um, and they're just they're just um, amazing people. They they lived in, in through the uh, Jesus movement, the Jesus days. They were, you know, hippies going for it back in the day. Um, still hippie, uh, slightly different color hair, but still hippie. And uh, and but I asked Dennis the reason why I wanted him to talk tonight. Um, as I, I told him, we're going through the Book of Acts, and I said I want you to share some stories because this guy, he lives. Um, the supernatural naturally, like he just walks it. He just, he just does stuff. He just does what the Holy Spirit tells him to do, and amazing things start happening. So it isn't. I don't. As you're listening to him, and as and I said, have your freedom, have your way. Take us wherever Holy Spirit wants to take us. Holy Spirit, you're listening. You you take us wherever you want to take us. What I don't want you to do when you listen to any stories like this, don't be thinking, well, shoot, you know, I'm doing nothing. I'm a pile of dirt. Like, no, that's not the message. The message is, I said dirt. Yeah, dirt. So um, the message is, <laughs> the message you, you should get from this is, wow, if, if God will do these things through somebody who just says yes, what would he do through me? And it's not going to be the same as he does through Dennis, but it's going to be just as wonderful and amazing. So 
all this, we keep, we keep spurring you on. We're, tr- we're doing this on purpose. We're trying to like, come on, we're, we're goading you, you know, in a good way with the Holy Spirit to say, to say tr- step out more, try things, say yes, risk. When he says to do things, do it, see what happens. Because we're coming into a time where the hungry people are coming into the kingdom. So on your mark, get set, go, because here it comes. All right, let us welcome and honor Dennis Lafayette. favorite place to be. <laughs> Love you guys. Um, first off, I want to speak to those that you're suffering, going through some issues and uh, struggling with emotional issues and some of these things, that this is Holy Spirit's invitation to you to take a ride with him. That right now you can choose. He won't take it away, but he'll give you a way through it. He's opening doors for you and saying, lean on me and I'll show you how to go through this. Suffering is common to all of us. And Jesus' resume, it says in Isaiah, he was a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. Now, that was his resume, you know, 1,000, 1,500 years before he was born. And then he went into full-time ministry at 29 years old, 30 years old, something like that. Who do you know that has that on their resume? You know, meet so-and-so. He's my best friend. You know, he's well acquainted with grief. That's kind, of, that's kind of rare, okay? But he's suffered, and he's been there. And, um, you know, I've been... What I'm here for tonight is to not only share with you some of the things in my life, but I have impartation for all of you, that you will tonight walk out of here with change in your life and move to a new place. And where it starts... It starts, one, is what you hear, because it's testimony of the Lord. In, in uh, Revelation 19.10, it talks about the spirit of Christ and the spirit of prophecy. And prophecy reveals not only what's present, what's coming, what was, what is, what's around the corner, what you can't see, but who you are, who you will be, and what's going on in your life. All those things get activated in you when you reach out to him. How cool is that? <laughs> I mean, you don't have to earn it. So um, there's so much I want to share with you tonight. The, um, first off, I want to get your heads fixed. And you're in a great church for doing that. But one of the things I want to just meet head on is that when we look at the, at the Word of God and the Bible and our faith and our prayer life, and our walk, and who we are, and who we think we are, and who people think we are, and who God thinks we are, it gets confusing. (laughs) But he has a place for you to walk in peace and understand all of that if you surrender to him. What does that exactly mean? When I uh, got saved, I didn't know anything about the Bible. I started just devouring it, and I started seeing, you know, the Old Testament was like, ooh, scary. And uh, I got to the prophets and go, ooh, cool, you know. And then, I, and then uh, we got to, you know, we were in the New Testament, and I was hearing Jesus' words and the red letters jumping out at me and going, this is incredible. And then I got to the book of Acts, and I was stunned. Because everything else is history, rules, revelation, all these things, but Acts is the roadmap. 
it's, there's plenty of places in the Word that tells you how to conduct your life, but Acts is the only place that demonstrates how we are to minister in the world. It's primarily the account of two people. You guys know because you're in it. You know, Paul primarily and Peter. Now, Paul was ministering to a group of people that had no grid to put anything he said on. They were Gentiles. They didn't have the history of the scriptures and the prophets to lean on. They had nothing. So when he went into the, into the cities and villages and towns and preached the gospel and they, they got born again, they still had nothing. They couldn't go down to the synagogue. They weren't trained in Hebrew and they weren't it, you know, reading the Old Testament. Wasn't it? They had to do something that was extraordinary. They had to live it. There was no New Testament. There was no Bible. When you're in the New Testament and you're reading and it talks about the Word, it's not talking about the Word like we think, the printed Word. It's talking about Jesus. They called Jesus the Word. The Bible didn't exist for another 300 years. So what happened to these Gentiles, the Hebrews also, but what happened to the Gentiles, because I'm focusing on them in particular, because whether we are Jewish heritage or not, most of our culture is Western, Gentile, Greek, pagan culture. It's seeped into everything we touch. It's in the churches throughout the world. And when I talk about paganism, I talk about Greek philosophy which leans on your own understanding, which is Plato and Aristotle and so many things come from that. Example, if you do something wrong, God's mad at you. Do you guys ever hear that voice? That voice will hold you back from doing what you're called to do. When you hear something, go touch that person. They have a bad back. Go ask that person if you can help them. Do this thing, do that thing. And another voice comes in and goes, after what you did last night... What voice is that? Yeah, the voice of the accuser. He's the accuser of the brethren. So learning to discern between the voices is a key element, essential, for walking out what we see in the book of Acts. Why? Because you can't do it out of guilt or self-righteousness or making yourself better or thinking you're worse. That stuff's irrelevant. The gifts and callings of God are yours. The salvation that you have in Christ dwelling in you in Romans 8 is yours. Nothing can separate you from that. I get into arguments with people, friendly arguments, (laughs) that insist that they're filthy sinners saved by grace. I go, no, you aren't. You were. But you now are the righteousness of Christ because he dwells in you fully. I said, you can't be both. Oh, no, 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 I'm a filthy sinner saved by grace. It's like, no, you aren't. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I go, if you believe that, you're never going to go any further than that. Until you believe that what's in you is the seed of very God that he's put into you, and nothing or nobody can take it away from you, no matter how you feel, no matter what you think, no matter what you did or what you're going to do, that is a constant. Now, you can ignore it, you can sidestep it, you can do things, but you can't get rid of it. Once you've been born again, it's in you. Everything else is a lie. See, the normal Christian life, at least for me, for many years, and I know for a lot of people, it looks like this. Right? Am I talking to the right crowd? I mean, it's, you're doing great, you're doing great, you're doing great, and then you do something stupid. 
Well, I'm not doing great. I'm such a filthy sinner saved by grace, and I'm so glad I'm saved, but I don't feel saved, and maybe God will like me tomorrow, but I better do some penance. You know, I better, I better sit in the dumps for a while and work it out, and then God will let me back into the fellowship, and then I can get back up on top again. So, people in my life, I've been fortunate to have some amazing mentors. Corey Ten Boom was somebody that really influenced me. And she would say things like, you know, no matter how deep the dungeon I was in, God was, I found he was deeper still. The, the, do people know who Corey Ten Boom was? Yeah. I mean, incredible, incredible. Here's this little old lady, Dutch. She considered herself the weakest one of the faith in her family. Her sister, her parents, they all died in the concentration camps. She was the only one that survived, and she didn't understand why she survived because she, she thought she had nothing to offer. When she came out and started testifying to the level of faith she had, suddenly she became world famous. Somebody wrote a couple of books. She helped on that. And, and she, said, she said every time she went to a country, the plane would land, and the president of that country's limousine would be waiting for her at, on the runway. She couldn't figure out why. It was stunning to her. But the thing that she imparted to me that I want to impart to every one of you, because this will change your life starting today. This will absolutely change your life. And I'd been, and I'd been around powerful people, and we'd already been moving in, in Holy Spirit. We were, when I met Corey, we were probably uh, seven, eight years into the Jesus movement. We'd seen thousands saved. We were preaching. We were ministering. We were sending teams out in the Pacific. Uh, we were doing tons of stuff starting churches, doing all kinds of things. It was a really awesome time. It was like we couldn't fail, but you know, we were young. We eventually failed. Uh, <laughs> so we were stupid too. <laughs> but what she did, when I'd be with her, the first time I'm hanging out with her, and I'm just talking to her, it's just me and her, and the first thing, when we'd be talking and sharing, and I forget what we were talking about, but whenever I said anything that even hinted to a need or a lack in my life, the next word out of her mouth was she was talking to Jesus, like he was standing right there. And I was used to powerful manifestations. I'd seen a lot of stuff. I'll tell you a few things in a minute. But that kind of like, whoa, that's really different. What is that? And she constantly just focused on whatever you were saying. She was a very good listener. And as soon as she saw something, she didn't go to a posture. Lord, I want you to take care of it. No, it was nothing like that. It was just natural conversation, but she was talking to Jesus. And that flipped me. Because I thought, what if I live like that? What if I look at every person as a divine appointment? What if I look at every encounter as something that God wants to manifest himself in? What if I look at it and say, Lord, what are you doing today? And how do I get in on it? And that changed my world. I'd already had encounters with angels. We'd already already seen so many things. I mean, supernatural. I'd seen, you know, uh, wind blow into the back of the rooms, knock everybody out of their chairs. I mean, blind eyes healed. All these. We'd already been walking in that stuff. But I was unprepared for what she imparted to me. I thought we had it all. I was missing tons. Over the years... I've been, you know, I just thought I was just like Joe Average. And I am Joe Average. I know how to mess up just as good as anybody. <sighs> but at the same end, there's 
grace on all of us to do far better in his kingdom. Um, we've had Kathy and I individually together, angels appear, come spend time with us, things happen like that, minister to us and through us and do extraordinary things. We've had open visions and closed visions. Do you know what, when I say open vision? Open vision is like going to the theater, except it's playing out right in the air between you and everything else. You can see through an open vision. You, can, you can't touch it, but it's there. I had one on 2.37 once, a rush hour, on a Friday afternoon. I panicked. My whole windshield was open vision. I'm in the, I'm in the fast lane doing five miles an hour bumper to bumper, and I literally didn't know what to do. I could see the cars in front of me, and I, I, I mean, I freaked out. I was just going, and it wasn't going away. It was full color, technicolor, sound, everything. I was in it. I was in Africa, and it was a full-blown, I mean, it lasted for like 15, 20 minutes, and I just kept creeping forward and not running to crash into the car because I couldn't even get over to the, the, you know, 237. There isn't the parking spot on the slow lane. You know, you've all been on it. And, uh, you know, extraordinary stuff we've had happen. Uh, first angel that uh, came to us, we were, uh, we just had started out because we, because like I said, when we got to the book of Acts, my heart lit on fire. I said, surely there has to be a people that still do this stuff. Now, I didn't know anything about church, but Kathy and I, we set out to find them. We go, there's got to be a remnant of these people because nothing could stop this. So we started searching for it. We found out eventually it was us. <laughs> right? Because he was still pouring his spirit out. That hadn't changed. But the Holy Spirit, he taught us and taught us and taught us. And he taught us through encounters. He taught us through amazing things because he says, Holy Spirit is sent to help you. Why? Because we need it. We desperately need it. So um, first angel, you know, first angel story. Um, Before that, another time before that, God actually spoke to me in an audible voice. That was interesting. Um, But angel story was uh, we were at, that time, we'd given up most of our stuff away. We lived down in Cayucas, California. And every night, I went up, I swept all the freeways and brought home everybody I could. Kathy cooked. I played guitar. We ministered to him and led lots of people to the Lord. It was amazing times. I mean, we just led lots of people to the Lord. It was fantastic. And one night, we got this guy in the house, and we got to bed, and we're praying. And Holy Spirit told us both at the same time, this guy's a murderer, and he likes to stab people. And, we just, and we're going, oh, this is not good. This is not good because... He's between the kitchens on the other side of him. So he's got access to all the knives. We don't. There's no lock on our door. And we're going, this can't be good. So we're praying. And we go, Lord, you need to, need to protect us. And at that time, we lived in a little house down a little street behind a house off of Highway 1, just out, a mile outside of town with no street lights anywhere within a mile. You couldn't see our house from the road. There were no lights, no nothing. And it was about 1030 at night, and we hear Boom, 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 boom. And I go, man, somebody's at the door. It sounds like, you know, on the TV shows or something when the cops are coming. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. I open the door, and here's this guy standing there, and he's about six foot seven, shoulders like that, long blonde hair, and he's got this cro- wooden cross on him that's this big. I mean, I'm thinking <laughs> with a leather strap, right, a wooden cross, and I'm thinking, ow. You know, I mean, it's like if I was wearing that, I'd be bruised. It was that big. And he goes, praise the Lord, brother. I heard I can spend the night here. And I'm thinking, this is good. 
<laughs> so I step outside and I say, so glad to see you. We got a guy in there that's a murderer and he wants to kill people. And he raises his right hand and he goes, you have nothing to fear. I will sleep between you and him tonight. I'm going, this is better than good. <laughs> I go back into the bedroom. I said, you're not going to believe the guy in our living room. <laughs> And so, you know, the next morning he got up, we fed them both, and, and they left. But that was our first angelic thing where we look at that guy. That guy wasn't natural, you know. Now, it took us about 20 years to realize that because this, we were having stuff happen all the time, and we didn't know what stuff was called. We didn't have any training. We had open visions. We didn't know it was called open vision. We'd have a vision. We didn't know it was a vision. We'd prophesy over people. We didn't know it was prophecy. Holy Spirit was just pouring out on us, and we were doing the stuff. So... um. First of many angelic time. And, uh, another time, I was in a small room. We were ministering at that time. We were doing seven nights a week church service, packing the place out every night, healings, miracles, everything going on. Me and another brother were leading the meetings. And one night, late at night after the meetings, there was a uh, guy that was radically demon-possessed in a, in a uh, side room about the size of a small bedroom. And uh, there was a problem because he had a 10-inch bowie knife, and he was determined to kill us. And so that wasn't good. And uh, so he's, it, the spirit manifests, I'm going to kill you. And he'd come across the room at us, and he'd get about, and we're praying in tongues fervently. And, uh, <laughs> and every time he'd get about five feet away, an angel would pick him up and slam him against the back wall. He'd fly backwards through the air. We're going, okay. But he got up again. This happened he, three times. After the third time, he didn't get up anymore. Then we cast the demon out, and he got saved. But, you know... Angels show up to help us. Dreams and visions help guide us and lead us and tell us about things. Prophetic words encourage us and build us up. None of that stuff is designed to condemn us or bring us down or stop us from being all we can be. So what is getting our heads fixed, going back to that again, what is it being all I could be and all you could be? We are the book of Acts. We are the acts of the disciples. There's no other category in the church. You go through the New Testament, there's no other category. There's disciples, and there's people that aren't saved. There's no middle ground. Now, the disciples went out and conquered the world with the message of the gospel without planes, trains, or automobiles, without a printed word, without anything. But they went out with nothing. In fact, Jesus said, go out and take nothing with you. So what did they take? They took demonstrations of power. They took a truth message. We, um, in Africa, where I'm fortunate to minister, um, incredible things happen. The story, I was thinking this morning, I was up early praying, and I was thinking about stories that I've never told anybody. Because there's so many, because we have so much stuff happen, I can't even remember all the stories. One, one area we're in in the country, the governor of that area actually threw Jean in jail for preaching the gospel. Where did I say? It was in Africa. And uh, Rwanda. So, so after four days, he let him out of jail and said, you, you, you know, you can't preach anymore. And John says, I want. So he goes out and starts preaching again, of course. So they made peace. And then the first time I was there, I meet the governor. And I look at him and I say, you have a nice building. Because that's unusual. It's a government building. I said, can I use your building for having meetings in? And he goes, yes. I go, great. I've got a place to have some great meetings. The second time I'm there, the governor wants to drive us around in his car. 
which is great because John's car is not so great. And, uh, <laughs> you know, shocks are shot and no air conditioning and the roads are really bad. And the governor's got an air-conditioned car, so I'm going, oh, yeah, I'll take that ride. <laughs> so, so we're driving around. He's driving us around. We're going to different villages. And after a couple of days, he looks at me and he goes, I don't want to be governor anymore. I go, what do you mean, Efren? Well, you, why don't you want to be governor? He goes, I want to do what you do. I said, well, keep your day job. This doesn't pay. <laughs> now, his son, because we had a, we, I took a team, so we had a couple of translators. His son, who's, a, who's an economics major, he was also a translator. He comes to me later in the trip, I think the second day or fourth day, or I can't remember now. He says, I don't want to be an economics major anymore. I go, really? What do you want to do? He goes, I want to be a pastor. Wow, this is pretty cool. So then we're, we're in a city, we're in a town, and we're sitting there, we're having dinner, and then the mayor comes up and says, could you come over to our section we're eating? It's kind of weird, restaurants are different over there, it's not like we expect, you know, this, you're outside, you're inside, you're halfway outside, somebody's in a patio kind of area, somebody's in a, no lights, you know, you, you just like, you're not sure where you are, but she takes us over, and, and there's the, uh, the chief of police, the mayor, and the head of the military for that region. And they go, could you please come to our town and do what you're doing in the other villages? Begging us to come. Will you start a church here? Will you do this? You know, it's astounding. It's overwhelming. We're we're, uh, in a a meeting because I... See, the area that we're primarily ministering in is so far out that most of the people in the nation don't know it's there. The, the, the area is called uh, Genda, and uh, it's right on the border of Burundi. And the people, to say they're poor is just, uh, the word doesn't even begin to come. I've never seen anything like it. The living condition is so bad. First time I'm there, Lord gives me a word of hope for him, and I start prophesying over him. And I'm thinking, it's a big word, Lord. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking... There's no way. But I prophesy that they're going to become a light on the hill to the nation. And uh, they start cheering. I'm going, wow, they got hope. In less than a year's time, the government shuts down 8,000 churches in the nation because they don't meet whatever their new standard is. But we've helped build a church there that does. And they said, if you want to see what a church should be built like, go there to that village. So... Another time, when I, I've been there many times now, but another time when I'm there, because pastors are traveling from all over the nation to come there. Sometimes they walk for days to get there. Two men come up to me, and we have a translator. Nobody speaks English out there. And they say, we heard what you were doing out here. We're going, okay, great. So we started sharing the words that you guys share because we heard about it. Okay. Well, 100 people got saved the first night. Went, okay. And they go, second night, another 100 got saved. So now we have a church with 200 people. They go, here, this is your church. You know, and I'm looking at that go, that's reaping without sowing. You know, that's over-the-top stuff, and it's just by the reputation of his name and his fame. It's not because of me, and I'm the least of it, because I don't even let my name out over there. Um, but, you know, Jean is doing an excellent work. But, again, it's just, it's all about him and his and what he's doing. And really, thank you. So, 
You know, I'm talking about a number of different things, but the common denominator in all of them is faith. Now, how many people think, first off, how many people want to do the books of Acts stuff? Okay, how cool. How many people think your faith is holding you back? Not many. So few. Good teaching. (laughs) Okay, I'm here to tell you that your faith isn't holding you back. It's your belief. So, going to speak a little bit about belief. First off, the word believe that we have is a really lousy word for what the word is in the Bible because there are many, many, many words in the New Testament, Old Testament, the Greek and Aramaic and the Hebrew that aren't translatable. Believe is one of them. There is no word for those words. In the Greek, the Greek word, pistuias, means cling to, rely on, adhere to. Now, how does that become believe? Right? I mean, I believe this is a carpet, but I'm not about to cling to, rely on, adhere to it. Right? So believe is an action word that requires commitment, dedication, purpose, and follow-up. Okay, now in the Hebrew, the word is amen, and it means cling to like a nursing baby with a mother. Rely on like two best friends in, in war together, side by side. Adhere to like a humble person and their God. That's what the word believe means in the Hebrew. Yeah, wow. I mean, we have this watered-down version where it's just, we think, come forward, get saved, believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And it's, 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 it, it's the same believe that says, I believe you just got fire insurance. Here's the policy. You know, it's just pretty light. But the gospel's not light. So... So the helper is sent to help us live this stuff out in the New Testament and in this world we live in now. So what's faith look like? You know, in Hebrews it says, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's pretty clear, right? (laughs) I mean, who gets that, right? Well, I tell you, I can explain that to you. It's like this. The kingdom of God is the opposite from the kingdom of the world. In the kingdom of God, what is little is big. In the kingdom of God, what isn't is what is. The prophet Elijah, when he was in the cave, and God showed up and made there was boulders and hurricanes and all that stuff, and then there was a the scripture says it was a still small voice. That's really not a good translation. What really happened there is that the the Hebrew translation of that is there was a very thin silence. Going, what does that mean? Okay, a very thin silence is the awe of God when he's said or done something. And what's left afterwards is everything is speechless, that all creation stands in silent. Just that was what he heard. It's nothing you hear, but this is a key. Faith and faith actions come through knowing things in your knower. That as you walk and you deny the enemy's lies, you can't, you won't, you don't. And you hear that still voice. We call it a still small voice, but really it's deeper than that. You hear that thing in your knower and you know something. It's prophetic it's exciting. It's risky. Faith is always in tension with doubt. 
If there isn't any doubt, there's no chance for faith. Faith will always deny what is possible in the face of what is. Faith calls you out of the boat because that's where the action is. The boat's the security. Peter got out of the boat. He was the first person in history to walk on water that wasn't the Son of God. Now, he did pretty good. You know, he made it a little bit, but then he sank. Well, he's the only one that got out of the boat. And he only sank when he looked away. He took his eyes off Jesus, and Jesus had to pull him up. Everybody else said, I'm not doing any of that stuff. But they all gave their lives for it later. So faith is the woman that Elijah went to who was starving, and she was preparing a last meal for herself and her son. And she had enough oil and enough wheat to make something. They were going to eat it and die. Faith is emptying out that vessel of oil and God creating it. So the secret of faith is this. you got to give it away to get more. The good news is you don't need any. It says by faith you're saved through Christ. In, in, you break that down in the Greek, and what that means is by his faith you're saved. Not your faith. So you don't even need faith to get saved. You don't need faith to do miracles. You need to work faith. And James said, said, show me, you say you have faith, show me your faith by your works. Faith is an action. Faith is something you do. What does that look like? You hear something, you walk. Kathy and I have been practicing for a long, long time. We call it prophetic evangelism. It happens everywhere we go. We walk down the street, we're in the store or whatever, we see somebody and it's like, oh, I got to go speak to that person. She's got a hip problem. Only reason the Holy Spirit shows it to me is she's going to get healed. At that point, the healing's done. She just doesn't know it yet. I just walk up and start talking. The next thing you know, boom, she gets healed. This happens to us all the time. It's been happening to us for decades. We're driving down the freeway. She says, pull over here. I go, why? She goes, we got three people. we got to lead to the Lord. I said, all right. We pull over. We drive down a block. We park it together. There's three guys there. We get out. We talk to them. They're traveling from back east. And, you know, we share the gospel with them. We're holding hands with them, and all three get saved. We get back in the car and keep going. Is it always that easy? Well, let me tell you one of the first ones. You know, it's the first ones. We have, I've had, this has happened hundreds of times. I was in a, um, we were having a men's Saturday morning breakfast. Men, leaders. That's when my identity was really wrapped up in being a leader. <laughs> it was very important. So I'm at the leaders meeting, and uh, I had to go to the restroom. So I go to the best. As I walk by the pay phones, there's some guy really upset on one of the phones. And I get back and sit down, and the Holy Spirit is saying, go help that guy. And I'm going, no. Go help that guy. No, not interested. I'm in a leaders meeting, Lord. I'm, <laughs> I'm a leader, remember? <laughs> go help that guy. I go, well, you know. I don't have a car with me. I caught a ride with somebody. He says, go help that guy. I said, I don't have a car. I don't have a keys. I can't help him. The Holy Spirit said, my pants are on fire by then. I said, guys, I got to go. So I go over to this guy. And I also said, can I borrow your car? So they got next to me. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. So I go up to the guy and I said, do you need help? And he goes, yeah, I need a ride to the bus station. Well, where this was, Denny's uh, in Santa Cruz is about five blocks from the bus station. 
And I'm going, okay, I'll give the guy a ride. We get into a Volkswagen. The guy is about the size of Dirk. So he's right, like, right next to me, right? And as soon as the door closes, Holy Spirit says, lay hands on him for baptizing the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, no way I'm laying hands on this guy. He's going to kill me, right? I mean, I don't even know if he's saved. We got five blocks. So I'm trying to make conversation really fast. And uh, we get, uh, you know, really quick, established, yes, he's saved. Okay, whew, check that one off. And uh, we get there, and I pull into the parking lot, and I said, well, the real reason I gave you a ride is I'm supposed to lay hands on you to receive Holy Spirit. He goes, I've been praying for baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I lay hands on him. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, gets out of the thing, gets, on, gets a bus. Now, let me tell you the, the rest of this story. This guy was in the Navy, and he was stationed in New Jersey. And there was a flight coming out to Moffett Field that day. He'd never seen the Pacific Ocean, so he wanted to go see the Pacific Ocean, get back on the flight, and get back. Otherwise, he'd be AWOL. The problem is, on a Saturday morning going to Santa Cruz, if you put your thumb out, no problemo. But the same morning, if you want to go back, nobody's going back to the Bay Area. They're all at the beach. So he was in a panic trying to get a bus so he can get back to the air, to the plane, so he'd get, what a testimony that guy has, right? I went to see the ocean, and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. For me or for him? For him, he just, started, he just started speaking in tongues. He just started going off. He just got it. And then he gets out of the car, gone. I mean, this is like a, you know, less than 10 minutes assignment. So are the assignments risky? Yes. I got to tell you, Kathy and I have been stepping out on assignments the Lord gives us for 50 years now. And we've never had one that didn't do something. Most of the time, we don't know what it's going to do. Sometimes, this is really a kick, when we're both ministering together, he shows us both the same thing and knows what's going to, and so we both look at each other and go, this is what's happening. Well, at that point, it's such a done deal. One of us starts laughing or something as the other one's just laying hands on it. She was walking through a, a park, and uh, I see there's a group of bikers. There's three bikers with their, with their girlfriends across the park sitting on benches. They got cigarettes, big beer cans. I could see across the park, tattoos everywhere, chains, the whole thing, just typical bikers. And I see her walking, and I go, oh, she's up to something. And uh, what she said, she said, Lord, if they call out to me, they're mine. So the bikers, and we were, this is up in Reading, the bikers, one of them goes, hey, lady, are you from that church over there? And she walks up, she goes, no but I got something for you. She starts preaching the gospel. I'm across the park. Next thing I know, I see these bikers with a beer in one hand, cigarette in the other, weeping, just like, oh, oh, oh. I can see it from across the park as she's praying over him and leading him to the Lord. If they call out to me, they're mine. We get to two things because Holy Spirit helps us that we can't even imagine if we're willing to take a risk. If we're willing to do that, if we're willing to fix our head and say, no, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. Because if you've gotten born again, you may have baggage. Holy Spirit will work it out and deal with it. He's going to train you. He's going to lead you. But it doesn't matter a bit to him because you've been forgiven. You're fully everything you can be. It's like I would say to people sometimes, how many people want more Holy Spirit? Everybody raises their hands and go, too bad. You don't get more. You get more awareness of what you carry. That's fixing your head. What does that take takes place in your mind? Right? So great miracles, great outpourings, great things. 
They're all there. They're just waiting for one thing. Obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice because sacrifice is something we cook up. I'm going to make a million dollars and give a million dollars away to the Lord. And when I do that, then I'm going to do this for the Lord and that for the Lord. He doesn't want anything done for him. He owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need a million dollars. What he wants is to express himself uniquely through you. Because in the world you live in, you're the only person that can have the maximum effect on that world. If you say yes. If you don't say yes, you're wrestling. And if you're wrestling, you're listening to the wrong voice. When you listen to the right voice and say yes. So our filter's pretty well gone. Uh, we get ourselves in all kinds of odd situations because we've been doing this for so many years, we forgot that somehow you got to use discretion or something. Actually, you don't. You know? So you know, we're walking along and something happens and it just comes out. We're prophesying over people. Uh, I would go... Uh, for years, I've gone, I'll, hang, I'll go hang out at hospitals in the emergency room. And I'll just stand there and pray for people, just silently. Every single time without favor, fail. Every single time. It's never not happened. Total stranger walks up to me. They don't say hello. They don't say their name. They don't address me. They walk up and say, I'm in so much pain. Or, my wife just had a heart attack. I, mean, I don't know who they think I am. Right? They're just telling their story. They're telling their story. Well, guess what? Be healed in Jesus' name. I've seen so many people healed in emergency rooms. It's just like, they just come up and tell, I am in, and even when I walk through hospitals, it happens. I'll take, have one of my granddaughters with me or something, or I'll walk through a hospital and people do the same thing. Just a total stranger walks right up and just starts telling about their pain. I don't know what they see. Maybe I look like Dr. Kildare. I don't know. You know? <laughs> Some of you don't know what that is. <laughs> so, but why? Because I've been saying yes for a long time. He uses me. I'm just a tool. That's all. I'm just a tool, but I get to do this stuff. Why? Because in the mornings I get up and I go, Good Lord, what are you doing today? Can I get in on it? Do I get to do something that you want to do? Just show me, because you know what my answer is going to be. So he does. For a while there, um, in, uh, we went through a season of the last so-called recession. It was a depression to us. Um, you know, we got wiped out financially. So my business, I couldn't earn a dime. We lost, a lot of, we lost everything, uh, pretty much. And uh, the only calls we got was bill collectors, right? So Kathy and I decided, well, let's evangelize the bill collectors. <laughs> I mean, that's the only, that's, you know, why not? So we'd start ministering to the bill collectors. Next thing, bill collectors are getting saved and he'll weeping on the phone as we're, as we're ministering the gospel to them and going, this is pretty good stuff. So we'd start doing it. One, one bill collector, I remember she called from New Jersey. And I said to her, I said, you've lost a son. I said, God wants to heal your heart. And so I prayed for her, and she started weeping and weeping and weeping. And at that time, and I don't know if it's still up, Bethel had a uh, video up, testimony of Kathy and I for years. Thousands of people have seen it. And it was a grief testimony. And uh, I told her, I said, go look at that video. Be healed. Like that. So some period later, I don't know, we were, in, we were in the, financially out there for about three years. Some period later, I, I get another call from the GMC and I recognized the voice. 
immediately I go, you're the woman that lost a son. And she goes, she goes, are you the man that, and I said, yes, I am. She goes, I have two friends that lost sons, and we all watched that video, and Holy Spirit hit us. And God changed our hearts and healed us. We can't do this stuff, right? Can we do this stuff? I can't do this stuff. So we don't know where these windows of opportunities are, but we got to fix our heads because we carry the gold. We carry the stuff that the world is starving for. We carry that what the world needs. It's like when you have trouble, Holy Spirit is drawing you through to a higher place so that you got some gold to give to somebody else in that same place. He's not sitting there having a pity party with you. He's saying, come on, i got provision for you. What's that provision? It's the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. When we lost our son, we were devastated. We were devastated. We'd seen so many miracles, years of miracles. We'd had, for 35 years, he'd had, had issues, and, and we loved it because we didn't love the suffering, but what we loved was, over the years, we kept getting these testimonies. A doctor or a nurse would come up to one of us and, start, and they'd express the disqualifier. I don't believe in miracles, but i got to tell you what happened. <laughs> years of that. Years of that. Um, one time when he was critically ill, he didn't have a palpable pulse for six hours. And I was in Palo Alto, and Kathy was in Sonora with him at the hospital, and the people lined up the halls praying for him, and I was doing intercession, and we said, we have to get him to Stanford, and Stanford says, we don't send helicopters for dead people. And I said, Okay. And they said, besides, we don't have a bed. So now intercessors are going to love this. So first off, we went after the bed. Next thing you know, Stanford calls back. Well, actually, we have a bed now, but we still don't send helicopters for dead people. So then we said, you're going to send a helicopter. You're going to do this. He doesn't have a, he doesn't have a pulse. His blood pressure was zero. He was purple, but he was still alive. So a nurse... Well, eventually, what happened is, eventually they sent the helicopter and brought him to Stanford. Lord gave me supernatural knowledge that the, the, there was 13 doctors waiting for him at the time. He had congestive heart failure, and the doctors thought I was a doctor, so they took me everywhere with them in the thing. After the third day, one of the doctors looks at me and goes, are you a doctor? I said, no, I'm a contractor. But, <laughs> but long story short... See, I, we prayed angels all over that helicopter to bring him in. About three days later, our nurse stops me in the hall. She goes, are you Jesse's father? She goes, yes. She goes, I have to tell you what happened. She goes, I'm not a believer, and I don't believe in miracles. I go, I've heard this before. <laughs> she goes, that flight, I've never had a flight like that in my life. She goes, first of all, she goes, we don't take doctors on those flights. We're highly trained nurses. As I was going up to, the, to get on the helicopter, a man walked up to me that was a doctor at Stanford, but she didn't know him, and she said, hi. He said, hi, I'm a doctor. I want to go with you on this flight. So he got on the flight. When he went there and got, got to Sonora, part of Jesse's problem was because he had no blood pressure, his veins had collapsed, nobody could start an IV. This guy walked right in the room and just started an IV and got him good because Stanford said, we won't transport him without an IV. We prayed for angels all over the helicopter and all around it. And this nurse says to me, she goes, 
I've never been in a flight like that in my life. She goes, it was full of angels, and there was angels all around the helicopter. She said, I could feel them everywhere, everywhere. She goes, I don't believe in angels. (laughs) Five days later, Jesse and I walked out of that hospital. The doctors said to me, they said, nobody survives. It's called cardiogenic shock. Nobody survives what just happened and walks out of here. They said, we have no explanation for what we just saw. We had many miracles like that. Eventually, another story, you know, we lost him 10 years later, uh, but we didn't lose him because we know right where he is. Which brings up another interesting thing. Uh, A few years ago, an angel came to the house, full angel, 10 foot tall, appears in the bedroom to Kathy. And he goes, I have a message for you from God the Father. And he had a, I'm not going to tell you the message, it was for her. But the angel hung around with her for 45 minutes. He showed her his sword, the jewels, every question, with the exception of a couple that she asked, he answered. She examined his feathers. She said, like nothing. She said, the sword was so sharp that the edge of the sword you couldn't see with your eye. It just went to that kind of sharpness. Um, we've had a. I tell you guys, it's a wild ride and you never know what's going to happen next. But if you keep saying yes and you just don't listen to that other voice that tells you you can't, I'll tell you this. When that voice says you can't, you won't, you don't, you can't, you don't have it, you're disqualified and all those things, the opposite of all of that is true. Again, it's an upside down kingdom. Faith, you want more faith? Give your faith away. It's his faith anyway. So we're at a st- I'm at a stage now which you know, I hate to say me because it's, it's him, okay? But I don't care. I haven't cared for a long time. I, I was telling Danny Silk when I was here because Danny was talking about being in the Philippines and this, you know, 100% of the people were healed. I said, we're seeing 100% of the people healed in our meetings. I said, I don't care if anybody gets healed. Why? Because all I care about is his will. Of course I want all the people to get healed. Right, but I don't put my—I don't interject myself into it at all, because I don't understand. I don't understand why some people get healed and some don't. I don't understand. It's not any of my business. If he wants to inform me, he will. I'm not asking. I there's a whole lot I don't know, but I do know this: when I say yes, it opens the door for the impossible over the place. And Holy Spirit's specialty is the impossible. I love it. Every time I run up against the impossible, I get all jiggy. I go, oh boy, I know who I'm giving this to. <laughs> and I watch him do it. We had, uh, during that time of financial difficulty, I had trouble with the IRS. Big surprise, right? <laughs> and uh, they took $18,000 out of my checking account. And I mean, it just was, that was a wipeout. You got 21 days to appeal it. And so the money sits in suspension somewhere. So on the last day, by, it had to go till noon. And noon of that day, they keep the money. At 10 o'clock in the morning, I walked into the IRS headquarters in San Jose, which is a pretty intimidating building. Walked up there, and I gave them some paperwork. And they looked at me, and they said, Mr. Lafayette, we want you to know that we have no intention of giving one penny back. And we'd like it if you just go out of business. Adding insult to injury. I went downstairs in the lobby. There's guards around. It's a big, tall building. Kathy was at home, and we start doing intercession. 
And we start praying and we start breaking things and binding things. Isn't it fun as intercessors that you get to break things? I love it. <laughs> you know, you get to pull down strongholds, move mountains, do this, and you're in some prayer closet doing this stuff, right? So Kathy and I are praying. We prayed for like a half an hour, and Holy Spirit said, it's done. Now, this is the know-it-in-your-knower stuff, right? And we didn't need a voice. We didn't need anything. We just knew because that peace of God that passes all understanding hit us. Boom. So my office was in Mountain View at the time. I drove back to my office. I got in my office at 11 o'clock. One hour after I gave him the thing, my attorney calls and says, IRS just called. I said, yeah. They want to know how much you want back. So I'm thinking all of it. Holy Spirit says, let them keep $500 because this is my testimony, not your craftiness. I said, okay. I said, tell them they can keep $500. My bank calls at 12 and says, the money's back in your account. That's moving governments. It's all within the realm of what we get to do. Now, did we demand that God do it? No. We partnered with Holy Spirit. We bound strongholds, and we pulled things down until it was done. This stuff of knowing, this you know, we, we call, I love the still small voice, but it's just not scriptural accurate. It's bigger than that because it's nothing. It's the silence that follows the big kaboom when he says something. Right? I mean, when he talks, thunder and lightning pale. Right? When he created the earth, the, de- the definition of space is the absence of matter. You know, he created out of space. He not only made this world, but he made creatures, us, warm-blooded, with hearts. None of, nobody has a heart in heaven. Nobody has blood in heaven. We are unique. He breathed life into us. Heaven, different level, different thing. We're above them. That, you know, wrap your head around that. I have a hard enough time just being me. You know. But we get to do this stuff. Is there anything holding us back from doing the stuff? Whatever it is. Every one of you has assignments in your life. That's what Kathy and I call them. Lord, what's your assignment for today? It can be big. It can be little. I don't care. That's all gone out of me. I don't have to be a leader anymore. I don't care if I wash, you know, scrub toilets. I don't care if I'm in the king's service, whatever. So in Africa, I'm on my way there, and it's all supernatural. He told me when to buy a ticket the first trip, second trip too. He says, he says buy a ticket, pay $900. I go, okay. So I wait till you know, I keep just waiting, and one morning he wakes me up. We didn't have any money for a ticket. And, and one morning he wakes me up and he says, go buy your ticket now. So I got online. I bought a ticket for $900. And Kathy said, I, when she woke up, I said, because it was like 3 in the morning. He has a lot of conversations with me at 2 and 3 in the morning. And uh, I said, I bought the ticket. She says, we agreed that you wouldn't, we wouldn't buy it unless we had the money. I said, I know, but he told me to buy it. So, <laughs> so I put it on a credit card, probably the last one we had. You know, Later that day, somebody handed me $900 ticket was paid for. On the plane, people are coming up to me. People don't talk to you on planes. People are coming up on the plane to me and saying, what are you doing on this plane? I go, well, I'm going to Africa. What are you going to do there? Well, I don't know. I'm, you know. The Lord sent me. I said, but this I know. I'm completely unqualified to do whatever it is he wants me to do. Amen. <laughs> I'm positive about that. You know? I've got history. <laughs> Okay, I step off the plane, and the first time my foot hits the ground, he says, I'm giving you this nation. 
no idea what that means. I got a better idea now because now I've seen the stuff happening where I'm being introduced to royalty. I'm being introduced to members of the president's cabinet. I'm being, I'm ministering in the villages of the poorest of the poor, all this stuff. It just comes at me. We don't even have time to, I don't seek anything out. I just get there and everything happens all day, every day. We shot 40 hours of video last time and we didn't know what to edit out because something was happening on every hour. We're going, what are we going to do with this? I go, well, let's make a 25-minute something, and we could talk over it. I was like, where do we cut out? Because every day, just event, 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 to where it was stunning. I mean, we were, we were in a village doing a medical clinic, and we get back, and we're saying, you know, we, we're setting up medical clinics, but we don't have anybody to staff them. We really need nurses. The next morning, we haven't even prayed about this yet. I mean, we're tired. We get The next morning, we're having breakfast. We're praying for a man in the restaurant. And a man comes over and he goes, what are you guys doing? I've never seen anything like this in my life. We tell him what we're doing because there was a major healing going on there. And the guy looks at me and he goes, he goes I'm, the, I'm the vice chancellor of the University of Kigali. He goes, I have 30,000 students and 3,000 nursing students. Could you use some nursing students in your villages? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even 12 hours later, right? And we're just, we walked out to the car stunned. We're just going, what? We didn't even have a chance to ask. Wow. This stuff happens all the time. Now, it's not just in Africa. People say, how come there's more healings in Africa than here? I said, there isn't. I mentioned a little earlier, a lot of the meetings we're doing, we're seeing 100% of the people healed. 100%. My favorites are the ones that are doing this kind of stuff. I can't do this. I can't do this. As they're looking around going, I can't do this. <laughs> Unbelievers, the works. We've, we're at Lonnie Ellis's uh, fellowship, Maria's, and, and uh, this young man comes up. This is a good one. I love it. They're all good. And I go, he's probably, I don't know, in his 20s. I go, what do you want? He goes, I want to be able to jump and run. I go, well, why can't you jump? He goes, I had spinal surgery. I got screws up and down my spine. He goes, I can't, I can't do anything. I said, okay. So I try, not, I try not to lay hands on too many people because too many people get healed. And I don't want people to think it's me. Okay, because it's Holy Spirit. Right? So I grab somebody else and say, here, do it. And they get healed, which is great. Then they learn how to do it. Yeah. Right? Because right. it's not me. But I am positive about faith. I keep pouring it out. <sighs> Empty the jar, he'll give us more. So a couple of people pray for him. I go, any better? He goes, nope. Okay. We're standing there. you know, And I say, okay, well, let's pray again. So I get on it and pray. I go, Anything? He goes, nope. We're standing there and you hear this loud pop. I go, what's that? I go, that's nothing. That's just my foot. I said, really? I said, well, why don't you take a walk around the room? So he takes a walk around the room and then pretty soon he's skipping. And then pretty soon he's running and he's weeping as he's running. Giant alligator tears as he's weeping. And then I see him, because we're praying for more people, then I see him in the back corner. I mean, I can't jump. This guy can jump. He's clearing two feet off the ground. I mean, he's boing, 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 boing. <laughs> it's Tracy, California. You know, and uh, we go, well, you know, what are you going to do tomorrow? He goes, I'm going to go play basketball with my friends. I said, cool. So I saw Lonnie about six weeks later. I said, what's going on with that guy that, you know, had the spinal thing? Lonnie goes, oh, he's playing basketball with everybody. <laughs> He's still going. I can't heal anybody. But I can pour out my faith, which isn't really mine, it's his. Can you do that? Can you give away something that's really not yours, but you get to use it? 
That's what faith is. We get to exercise that. We get to pray for the one in front of us. We get to do these things. We get to feed the one in front of us. We get to, whatever it is, we get to meet people's needs. That, my friends, is the book of Acts. The stories are outrageous. You know, I've told you a couple of three or four stories or whatever it is. We've got hundreds, hundreds. I want you to have hundreds also. You know, if you get going on this stuff, you might be able to cut 30 years off my timeline. You know, though we've been in, we've been in it a long time, but we're getting better at it. We get to get better at this stuff because we just give up and keep laying down and laying down. Kathy and I don't care about anything, but we care about everything. Does that make sense? Faith is sometimes the things hoped for, the inevitable things not seen. When I'm praying for stuff in Africa or something and it gets really bad and we're claiming this, I go, oh, perfect. This is exactly where we want to be. It's impossible. Nothing's going to work. We're almost done. Boom, and it happens. Because we can't see it, I believe it. I mean, it gets that, you get kind of crazy after a while. You know, you see enough of it, and pretty soon you're just going, eh, that's impossible. Wonderful. Been waiting for this all day. <laughs> right? I want you to pray for a guy, a young man in, in the hospital with a wife and three kids, and he's got cancer in his spine, and they say it's terminal, but they're going to operate anyway. Laying hands on him, prayed for him, left. Three or four years later, this guy comes running up to me, looking good. I go, how you doing? And he goes, oh, they opened me up and the cancer was gone. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. Um, you know, you don't know the opportunities until you take them. Uh, another man uh, that I met, and he said uh, he'd had a heart attack two months before. And uh, I guess, you know, once you have a heart attack, it's forever. You just, you know, they do an EKG and they see it. So he had to go back for a checkup. And uh, he told me he was going in the next day for a checkup. And I go, oh, great, let me pray for you. So I prayed for his heart to be healed. So I didn't see him for about six months. I see him, and he's waving paper at me. I guess he's been carrying this paper ever since. I go, hey, what's going on, George? And he goes, you know how you know, I had the heart attack? I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, I went to the hospital, and they did an EKG. It came up perfect. I go, well, that's cool. He says, so they did another one, and it came up perfect. So they did another one, and it came up perfect. I go, that's pretty good. He says, then they went and got another EKG machine and did another one, and it came up perfect. He goes... I had a heart attack. They've got all the EKGs before. They said it's impossible to have perfect EKG after a heart attack, but I got four of these. (laughs) You know, did I know he was going to get healed? No. I took the opportunity that I learned from Corey Ten Boom is don't pass up an opportunity to give God glory because it's his name, it's his fame, it's his reputation that's on the line, not mine. When Kathy and I are out doing street ministry and, and we walk up to people and minister to them and, and amazing things happen. We've seen so many people, we, we get this, somebody's shaking, Holy Spirit's hitting them, they're getting healed. Who are you, man? You know, and it's like, and we look, Kathy got in an argument, one guy with his name. She goes, she goes, tell me your name. And the guy says his name. She goes, that's not your name. He goes, yes, it is, lady. She goes, no, it isn't. And she, she said, tell me your name. And three times, the guy's getting irritated. He goes, that lady, that's my name. I just gave you my name. She goes, no, that's not your name. Give me your real name. And then he goes, well, and then he gave her the real name. The guy's Jewish. She starts talking about his Jewish heritage. The guy's breaking out in goosebumps from head to toe, and he goes, what's happening to me? She's sharing the gospel with him and his fame and his heritage. Why? Because we get to do this stuff, because Holy Spirit tells us stuff, and we just say yes. So I love it. I love the description. So people ask, they go, who are you, man? I go, forget it. I'm not going to tell you my name, but I'll give you a name you'll never forget. Any guesses? 
I said, because you'll forget my name before you hit the end of the street. But I'll give you one name. Because that's all you need to know to take you through to eternity. Anybody feeling this? Okay, so get up. I could lay hands on you, but it doesn't matter. Because there's nobody better at laying hands on you than the ones around you and yourself. Did you know you could lay hands on yourself? You could lay hands on your head. You could do this. I split my kneecap open one night, broke my kneecap. I was in so much pain. You know how sometimes if you have something really bad happen, you could taste blood in your mouth? I mean, I was so bad. I was in so much pain, I couldn't even drive myself to the hospital. And I laid down, and I was just, I was hurting really bad, and I knew I broke it really bad. And uh, I put my hand on my knee, and I started praying for my knee. Seven hours later, I woke up in the same position with my hand on my knee, totally healed. I got, I mean, I was afraid to move, and I couldn't believe I'd slept for seven hours and not moved. But it's like, that was pretty good. (laughs) So touch somebody next to you. Reach out, touch somebody. Father, I ask, I ask you to empower each and every person here to give what you have for the person next to them, for themselves and you, Lord, that they would give away all the favor, all the grace, all the faith, all the activity, all the calling, everything that you have, that they would give it away and that you would double, triple, quadruple their portion because when they empty their vessel, you will fill it, fill it, fill it. Give more, Lord. You said if we ask, we receive. We don't want fame. We don't want great gifts. We just want you. We just want you. And Lord, whatever you're doing, that's what we want. Let us in on what you're doing. Give us the grace to have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a willing heart that says, yes, Lord, when you speak to us in every way and any way, that tomorrow would be a brand new day, that you would teach each and every one of us how to walk through our difficulties, our trials, our circumstances, because on the other side of that is the gold that you have for us to give to the world around us. And we're the only one that can give that to our sphere, our gold. So, Lord, empower us with courage, with power, and your will be done in every life here and in every life everybody touches. In Jesus' name, more, Lord, more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So we're, we're just talking about, don't, yeah, stay, stay where you are. We're just talking about how much the Spirit is so, so present, and he's been stirring us all up. So, so uh, what's, what's really important, like right now, is that we activate, like we start stepping out, like now. Um, so so if, you, if you're here, like some of you are listening to these healing stories, and you are saying to yourself, 
I want healing. I need healing. I know, I know all of us need healing for something in this room. I know that's true. But I'm saying some of you specifically were saying, when you're listening to the stories, you're like, I, I need healing tonight. I need this. So if that's you, raise your hand. If you were just, yeah, look, look around. Just look around. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to teach you a new way to pray, too, because I, I neglected to say this, but the Greek, what I call Greek prayer is where, is where we are just, you know, this begging God to do something. That's not intercession, folks. That's paganism. That comes from the Greek philosophers that believe the gods are indifferent, and we have to beg them or give some sort of sacrifice for them to pay attention and do us a favor. Sorry, it's really simple. Scripture says, just be healed in Jesus' name. It's that, I pray for people all the time. It's very simple. Be healed in Jesus' name. That's all I say. Watch him work. Be healed in Jesus' name. Say it to the prison next to you. Say it to the prison with the arm up and just look at that and say, be healed in Jesus' name and pour out what you have. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So if you have someone around you that, if you, were, if you raised your hand a minute ago, but no one has prayed for you yet, raise your hand again. If you're one of those, look around again. Find someone else. If you want to ask them, if you, you know, that's fine. Like, give them like a one sentence, what you need, what you need healing for. But then declare it. Declare the healing. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. We release healing angels, too, in this room. Angels that are healing and bringing the authority of the, of the, of the power of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Whoa. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So who's... Um, I know uh, Suzanne's feeling all kinds of uh, hot. A lot of times heat is uh, spirit moving. A lot of times um, there's a lot of different ways we feel it. But who, who here would say right now that you're, you're experienced, you've experienced some healing in your body right now? Who's experiencing healing right now? Yeah? What's going on? You had tingling in your feet? Yeah, I had... um, My feet were being affected, you know, from um, diabetes. (laughs) Now, better. Much better. Much. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, increase, 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 increase.
Lord, would you, I, I thank you for uh, what was released tonight, which is bringing us back to the ease of the gospel, that it's all Christ in you. It's not really, it's not really about you other than your yes. That's, that's what it, this is. Whoa. How many of you, uh, let me just t- share a quick story. I had, I had a young man uh, that came to my door. It was either the last night or the night before. It was at nighttime, and they were coming through. It was a door-to-door-by-door salesman late at night. And I'm thinking, you don't come at night. You know, that's scary. Like, who's at my door? And then they're trying to sell me something. And I just quickly said, no thanks. Door closed. He walks away. I noticed he was, like, really um, un- not confident, feeling pretty bad. And it was, only, it was only like a few minutes later that I, I felt the Lord saying, I, I sent him to your door. Now, I did not, what I'm saying is, is I did not take advantage of that. I went back out and I, I'm, I, was, I was in my pajamas already. Like, and he was already like down the block going around. Maybe I should have run after him. I don't know. My point is this. This is my point. I'm just trying to be real with you that God is sending people to you. And when we aren't catching it, he's letting us know. He's like, yeah, no, that was not what you thought it was. So I'm saying right now, can we just agree, Father, would you give us your eyes for every person that we're, that we're going to meet? Would you just agree with that? Father, give me your eyes to see every person the way you see them. And Lord, when you send assignments my way, I am going to say yes. Just tell them that. When you send assignments my way, I'm going to say yes. I say yes now to the assignments you're going to send. And, and sometimes they won't come to your door. Sometimes you're going to have to go to their table or you're going to have to go to their line or whatever that looks like. I'm just saying, it's not always going to be that simple where they're coming to your door. But I am saying things are shifting. He's talking to us. He's letting us know the opportunities are abounding. The fields are white for harvest. They're white for harvest. All right, are you still, is this stuff still going on? Yeah, keep going. Um, yeah? What I kind of felt was, um, um, as people are praying, you were talking about praying, and it's happened with me too, is that sometimes you pray for somebody and they didn't get healed, right? And so you're like, well, what happened? You know, and, and that kind of, I stepped out for God and that didn't happen. And so God kind of gave me a revelation this week, and it was about... Um, uh, Edison. And Edison didn't make the light bulb, but he made a safe light bulb. And people said, well, you failed a thousand times to make the light bulb. He says, no, I found a thousand different ways to get to make the light bulb. Okay? There may be a thousand different ways that we're going through, but we're going to get the light bulb. See the light bulb. See the mountain. See, you'll get to the top of the mountain. If you fail a thousand times, well, it's just a thousand different paths. But get to the top of the mountain. Believe the top of the mountain. See the top of the mountain. Don't stop until you get to the top of the mountain. If, if you pray for somebody to reject you, they're not rejecting you. So what? You've been rejected before. Big deal. You try again. But you'll get to the top of the mountain. You'll get to the light bulb. That's what prophetic words are. There's the light bulb. There's the mountain. This is who you are, but I'll fail. Okay, but you'll keep going. Edison, all these other great people, they fail, but at least fail upwards. Fail forward and keep making it. Keep going for it. 
because it, you, you don't get there until you keep going. And that is consistent through the Old Testament and the New Testament. They failed, but they didn't stop. Peter stepped out of the boat. Did he sink? Sure. But let's look at how he ended up. He just kept failing forward. And so those things, those negative thoughts, just break them off. Say, I need to see the light bulb. I need to see the mountain. And nothing is going to get into my way until I get it. Because that is your destiny. You're destined to make the light bulb. You're destined to get to the mountain. You're destined to go to those places. God is only asking for one thing. Do you agree with it? And are you willing to fall forward a thousand different times? Oh, well, but you'll get there. That's it. Amen. Amen. He, so John just mentioned something about prophetic word. And Dennis was saying too, um, I don't know, I don't know, a lot of you are, a lot of, this is a prophetic culture, so you're used to the prophetic. Not all of you are. So for those of you, what that means again is kind of knowing in your knower something that God wants to share with somebody else to encourage them, to, to help them uh, higher and further. And um, sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's a word of knowledge, things you couldn't know about them. And uh, so I want to do two things. I want to ask, I want to pray for that for us right now, for God to increase that awareness, okay? And then we're actually going to just try it out for a minute. So just let's just pray for a second. Father, Father, I'm releasing right now. I thank you that everything we need you've given to us. So Holy Spirit, right now, would you increase the awareness Increase the awareness of what you are saying about the people that are around us. Increase, would you give us words of knowledge? Things help us to start hearing things we could not know about people. Help us to know things that we couldn't know, not for the sake of how good we look or, wow, I knew something I didn't know, but so that we can help somebody, so that we can love them into, into wholeness. And Lord, would you, would you whisper into us the truths of what you see when we look around at other people? And so, so Lord, I know because we keep saying this, you're going to be sending more people. We're going to suddenly somebody right now for you who are sitting here, I want to tell you what this sometimes looks like is suddenly somebody like in the middle of the grocery Safeway or Walmart or wherever, suddenly there's something about them that's kind of lit up and you don't know why that like they, they, you pay it more attention to them than anybody else. Why? Ask the Lord, why is there something you'd like me to say and share with them? And so tonight, I just want to ask this. I want to ask, Holy Spirit, um, we're gonna, we're, in just a minute, we're going to look around the room, everybody. And it, it, yeah, it's a little awkward because everybody's looking around. That's fine. But I just want you to look around the room for a little bit and ask Holy Spirit, if, is, there, is there one even small something to share with somebody in this room? Something that would encourage them, build them up, so Holy Spirit, would you help us to see with your eyes? And so now I just want you to look around the room. Go ahead and, I mean, look all around. Look look, and look and ask Holy Spirit, is there someone that you're highlighting? Is there a word that you have? Just a minute. Okay. And now here's the thing, um, is that the hardest thing is to actually go do it. 
Because a lot of times he will, he, will play, he will drop things in our hearts and our spirits, but then we actually have to go do it. I want to ask you, this is a very safe place, go up, go over to that person and just share the word with them. So go ahead right now. Get up. Get up. Get up and do it. And if you don't have one yet, but you have one 10 seconds from now, then do it then. How many of you are being encouraged? How many of you got a word that actually really encouraged you? Yeah, I've seen lots of hands, and lots of you are just speaking words. So I just want to encourage you more and more to release words freely, freely. Every single day, there should be several people you can release encouragement to. It just becomes a way of life. So I think tonight... Uh, we're just going to, it's already nine o'clock, by the way. I think parents, I think uh, children are back, right? So um, I think tonight, if you need prayer, please get prayer. Uh, if you get a word for someone, please do so. We're just going to keep ministering to each other. All right.